Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles this morning and go with me to the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus. So go toward the beginning of the Bible. You'll find the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And the second book is the book of Exodus, and you're going to find your place in chapter number two. So Exodus, and then big number two is where you'll find your place with us this morning. And while you're turning, if you're willing and able, would you stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's word? Exodus chapter number two this morning for the reading of the word of God. You will immediately notice the book of Exodus is not the book of Mark, okay? You say, Pastor, we're supposed to be going through the book of Mark together. And we are. We're going to take a time out this morning and look at this story in Exodus chapter number 2 on this very special day of Mother's Day. For some, Mother's Day is a day of sorrow. Perhaps for some who didn't have a good relationship with their mother, this is a difficult day. Perhaps for some who have lost their mother, this is a difficult day. Mother's Day can be difficult for a variety of reasons. So the question becomes, why talk about motherhood on Mother's Day? And the answer, quite frankly, is very simple. Because in a culture where children are treated as an inconvenience and gender is seen as something that's fluid. And God's design for marriage can just be abandoned at any whim. It is important for us to biblically define And remind ourselves of the gift of motherhood. If it weren't for your mom, you wouldn't be here. Now, that doesn't take rocket science to figure that out, but to some, that's rocket science. Motherhood is hard, it's tiring, it's never ending, it's complete sacrifice. But over and over in the Bible, the message about biblical motherhood or biblical fatherhood is simply this. It's worth it. It's worth it. You're going to read about a lady, a mother, who recognizes the sacrifice, takes the risk because it's worth it. Look at verse number one of chapter two. There went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife the daughter of Levi. So when it says of the house of Levi or the daughter of Levi, Levi, it's not talking about Levi, the individual. It's talking about the tribe of Levi. So they're from the same tribe. They have the same people. That's what that means. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, 
She took for him an ark of bulrushes. She dabbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit or to know what would be done with him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked alongside by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent to her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept, and she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. And then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, to the child's mother, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use these words to teach us and instruct us Remind us of the gift that is given to us by the way of motherhood. And for the moms in the room who are feeling discouraged, frustrated, I pray that you would encourage them. Remind them that their labor is not in vain. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. A cultural trend in our world today that mothers are finding themselves not simply frustrated but rather regretting the idea that they are mothers at all. Many moms say things like, well, these children were too much for me. Or, it's 9 a.m. I sent my five-year-old back to bed with a movie because I just can't deal with him right now. Or, quite honestly, most of the time I don't care what my kids are doing just as long as they are quiet. There's something much deeper happening in these statements than simply moms who are expressing their frustration. These are regrets. These are regrets from women who have been raised in an abortion culture. Current mothers of young children cannot remember a time when abortion wasn't an issue. The abortion culture has taught us that children actually stand in the way of the things that we really want. That children are an inconvenience. The abortion culture has taught us that we deserve more 
than having to be home on a Friday with our children. We should be able to go out and do what we would like. Abortion culture has taught us, it's produced a feeling that it can be a mistake to have a child, not a gift. Abortion culture has convinced many women and many men that children are nothing more than annoying, inferior, unimportant. That children don't have feelings. Children aren't worth the struggle. Abortion culture has convinced some women that they are not capable of being good mothers. They wonder about their own ability to mother, to care, to support, to protect. And they've convinced themselves in this current culture that they cannot do these things. And so they should, they should find a better option. Abortion culture has taught us that there are more important things in the world than raising children. Now, before abortion turned this culture on its head, before it took the gift of motherhood and turned it upside down, children were considered a source of great happiness. In fact, the psalmist says that children are a blessing from the Lord. They're a heritage from God. They're a gift, in fact. The children were not simply seen as happiness, but they were seen as valued. They were seen as important. They were seen as worth it. And that is not to say that raising children isn't difficult. Of course, raising children is difficult. Anyone who has raised a child knows the reality of how difficult it is. But there was a time in the world where raising children, for as much as there was a struggle, it was worth it. The sacrifice to raise a child was worth it. What we're seeing in Exodus chapter 2 is a lady by the name of Jochebed. We are not told her name in chapter 2. It's not until chapter 6 you find out that that's what her name is. But Jochebed understands her role as a mother. And she embraces her role as a mother. She understands that her role as a mother is a part of God's plan for her. This is a gift that God has given to her. And so she does all she can to preserve not only his life, but by way of preserving his life, she makes it possible for God's people to be delivered from the bondage that they find themselves in. The boy in chapter 2 is perhaps the greatest leader in all of the Bible, maybe next to David, and his name, you've heard of it, is Moses. So the boy who is at the most vulnerable point in his entire life, has his mother and his sister and Pharaoh's daughter and then two handmaids that we're told about in chapter number one. Five 
women are conspiring in, an, in a culture where children were simply to be disregarded to the Nile River, fed to crocodiles. Five women are acting in order to preserve his life and raise perhaps the greatest leader in all of the Old Testament. It teaches us the importance of motherhood. There's three things that Jochebed does in this passage. I want you to write them down. We have it for you in an outline. And I hope it's encouraging to you this morning. The three things, three roles that are yours as a mother. It certainly applies to those who are not. But these are unique for you as seen in the story of Jochebed. First, notice... The biblical definition of motherhood is that you would protect your children as best you can. You would protect your children as best you can. Amram, that's Moses' father. Jochebed, that's Moses' mother. They fall in love, the Bible tells us. They're given to each other in marriage. They have a baby. The, The birth of this baby, from a worldly perspective could not have been at a worse time. But the birth of this baby from a godly perspective was at the perfect time. It was at the worst time from a worldly perspective because the Israelites had been living as slaves in Egypt. The Israelites had gone down to Egypt because there was a famine in the land. The Israelites prospered. But a Pharaoh came into power who knew not the God of Joseph. He knew not the God of the Israelites. And instead of seeing the Israelites as a blessing to the land of Egypt, he saw the Israelites as a threat. He became very concerned that, they, that the Israelites, because they're higher in number, might become more powerful than the Egyptians. And so the Bible tells us in chapter 1, and you can read it this afternoon for homework, that he appoints taskmasters over them. He forces them into hard labor in order that he might afflict them. And then he appoints midwives, in verse 16, to find the children of these women and throw them into the river. So what you're seeing in chapter 2 is Jochebed, the picture of this godly mother who in a pro-death culture decides that she is going to do all she can to protect her children. And this is the context which Moses is brought into the world. And the Bible tells us in verse 2, And the woman conceived, she bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, notice the end of the verse, she hid him three times months. She does everything she can in order to protect him. And notice what the Bible says. The Bible says because she saw him to be a goodly child. Every mother thinks their child is the most beautiful baby in the room. And the reality is most babies are ugly. But not to a mom. The word goodly here doesn't mean pretty. The word goodly here doesn't mean he was a well-behaved child. The word goodly here is what is meant in Acts chapter 7 when it is talking about Moses. That that Moses, that God had impressed on the heart and mind of Moses' mother, of Jochebed, that God had a special plan for him. 
that God had a purpose for him, that God had given Moses to her for a specific reason, for a specific plan. And part of God's plan for Jochebed was that she would do all she could to protect the life of this little child. Can I tell you this? There are no accidental babies in this world. And children aren't mistakes. They don't get here by happen chance. They don't get here by happenstance. They are appointed. They're purposed. All of life is a gift given to us by God. Even your very life is a gift given to you by God. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this, but you need to hear this, that you were not born into this world by an accident. You were born into this world for a purpose, for a reason that God crafted you, God made you, God fit you, and God placed you in this world for a reason. There's no greater fulfillment in this world than finding out what that reason is, what that purpose must be, and then seeking to use all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength to live out the reason that God had put you here. There's no accidental children. This is what Jochebed comes to understand. She understands this is her job now. Her job is to protect her child from the twisted and perverse society that he was being born into. And God has given mothers an innate passion to care and protect their children. That passion to care and protect your child is a natural and good passion. That is a natural and good thing. The, the protection of godly mothers to supply uh, life and care for their children involves more than physical protection, though. A mother protects her child by teaching them in the areas that matter most. And the areas that matter most are not worldly areas. They're not academic areas. They're not physical or athletic areas. They're not even musical areas. The areas that matter most are spiritual areas. A godly mother protects her children by teaching them the word of God. A godly mother protects her children by helping her children understand that they're to abide with God, walk with God, be filled of the Spirit. And mothers, you, you need to understand that your children, they, they will play you if you will let them. The ch children know the soft-heartedness of their moms. The, the willingness of their mother to always protect them, to always care for them. And so what they do is they find ways to take advantage of that. Children are great manipulators in this way. They learned from their fathers in that way. And all the women said, yes and amen. Your job in God's plan is to raise that child, protect them from falling victim to sin, from falling victim to the sinful ideologies and philosophies of our day. And sometimes that means 
fighting against your natural desire to protect them by allowing them to feel the sting of sin, the weight of the decision they made, the consequence for the choice that they've had. Sometimes as a mom, this is what we wrestle with. Biblical understanding of motherhood is that you'll protect your children as best you can. This is right and good. But sometimes, as a mom, we must lay that down to God's plan. Understanding that who the Lord loves, He chastens. Number one, protect your children as best you can. Number two, do all you can with what you have. Do all you can with what you have. Look at verse 2. She hid him three months. She protected him. Verse 3. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes. She daubed it with slime and with pitch. She put the child there in. We see that she hid Moses for the first three months of her life. And no doubt, hiding this child became harder and harder as the child began to grow up. Moses was more apt to cry when people knocked on the door. He, he wanted something. He, he let it be known the way in which all babies let it be known. You ever notice this? And babies do not say, might I please have another helping of my bottle? What do they do when they want a bottle? They cry. They, squeak, they scream. They weep. They wail. They gnash their gums because they don't have teeth. The Egyptians lived as spies among the Hebrews. So the, the idea of hiding Moses for much longer than this was difficult. So what does Jochebed do? She takes a basket. She covers it with, with tar and pitch, which waterproofs the basket. And then she sets the basket in the water. The, the question arises, why in the world does she do this? Why does she put her son in a basket with tar and pitch smeared all over it? Why not get a, a nice little boat? Why not get a dugout canoe? And the answer is obvious. The obvious answer is this is all she had. She did all she could with what she had. She kept him safe for three months. They were poor slaves, the Bible teaches us. So she made a basket with reeds, because that would have been in abundance in that area. She made the basket with tar and pitch, because that is what the Egyptians had given to the Israelites in order for the Israelites to make bricks to build the Egyptians' cities. And so she takes what she has and she uses all she has. Sometimes in motherhood, this is part of the requirement. This is part of the job. That you do all you can with what you have. Being a mother, you often have the feelings of saying, but is it enough? As she's making that basket, I'm certain Jochebed was thinking things like, is the tar enough? 
Is the slime enough? Are the reeds enough? Is the boat big enough? Sometimes as a mom, you feel the same way. Is this enough? Am I doing enough? Have I done enough? Well, the answer from the life of Moses and the example of Jochebed is, it was enough. It wasn't, I'm sure, what she would have dreamed, but it was enough. It was enough to allow her son to live, to write about it. The author of the book of Exodus is the boy in chapter 2 named Moses. It's amazing how we think God only uses extraordinary people with extraordinary stuff to do extraordinary things. But the truth is, God uses ordinary people, like this slave girl, to do ordinary things like she does with the reed and the tar in order to accomplish an extraordinary thing. And do you know why God uses ordinary people? The reason God uses ordinary people is because that is all there is in this world. Ordinary moms and ordinary dads and ordinary kids who are seen to it to do all that they can with what they have. The reason I make this such an emphasis in the sermon is because in motherhood there's always two Two fears. One, a fear of apprehension. Do, do I have what it takes to raise this child? Am I capable of leading this child? Can, can, I, can I help him or her to become a contributing member of society, to walk in godliness and holiness? Can I raise them to be wise and smart and good the fear of apprehension, but also the fear of regret. Mothers are notorious for beating themselves up with regret. If I had it to do all over again, I would fill in the blank. I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. But you do not have to live this way. You do not have to live with these fears. If you do all you can with what you have, and then third, trust God to do the rest. Protect your child as best you can. Do all you can with what you have. And trust in God with all your heart. The reason that Jochebed is able to arrive at the place that she does is because she expects that God will take care of her child. I'm reminded of William Carey's words. Work as if everything depends on you, but pray as if everything depends on God, because it does. Jochebed knew that it was only God who could save her son. 
And so she trusted God to, to save her son. And she would not be disappointed for having put her trust in God. Notice the end of verse 3. She laid it in the flags by the river's brink. How hard must that have been? How difficult of a task had she been asked? His sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. The maidens walked by along the riverside. She sees the ark. She sends the maid to fetch it. They open it up and they see the baby. Pharaoh's daughter has compassion on him, verse 6. She says, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister, Jochebed's daughter, Moses' sister, says to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrews' women? I happen to know somebody who is fit for this task. And Pharaoh's daughter says to her, Go. And the maid, Moses' sister, Jochebed's daughter, went and called the child's mother, Jochebed. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child. What she should be saying is, Take your child. Take this child away, nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. Not only do you get to raise your own son, but you get paid for it. That's a great deal. And the woman, Jochebed, took the child. She nursed it. The child grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter. Listen to this. And he became her son. The daughter of Pharaoh sees the basket. She goes against her father's demand to kill every Hebrew child. And God is at work. Is all of the events of chapter 2, is it just happenstance? No, no, it's not happenstance. It's not just chance. It's no accident. It's God's divine providence. It's God at work in ways that only God can work. And do you know why God is at work in ways that only God can work? Because God had a plan. God had a plan for this little baby and God had a plan for Jochebed. And Jochebed rested in God's plan. She demonstrated trust in God. Hebrews chapter 11, writing about Moses, says this in verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months of his parents. Moses makes it into the hall of faith. He's held up as one of the greatest leaders for all of the children of Israel. But Moses cannot get to that point if Jochebed doesn't go against her natural instinct. If she doesn't realize that something spiritual is afoot. And that is ultimately this, that her son's future was not up to her, but her son's future was up to God. 
and Moses would be safer in the arms of God in a crock-infested river than he would be in her own arms. And Jochebed gets Moses back for a few years, and you better believe she did all she could to instill in the heart and the mind of that young man the truths of God. And then the day came where she had to let him go once again to Pharaoh's daughter. This is the role of motherhood. Protect your kids as best you can. Do all you can with what you have. And trust in God with all your heart. I know that you love your children. But did you know that there is someone who loves your children infinitely more than you ever could? And the one who loves your children infinitely more than you could ever love them is God. And God demonstrated that love not only for you, but he demonstrated that love for your child when he sent his only son. The Bible says his only begotten son to die on the cross to prove his love, to demonstrate his love, not only for you, but for your children. You can trust God with your child. You must trust God with your child.